Welcome to another episode of the Heat Strokes Podcast. <laughs> oh, I should have yelled too. Hosted by Brady Cannon. Presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Get ready to experience golf as you've never seen and heard it before. The price is wrong. Through the lens of Brady's experienced eye as he braves the toughest courses in the West under the scorching Las Vegas heat. Your course reviews, expert PGA analysis, and top weekly golf betting strategies are teed up and ready to fire. Here's your starter, Brady Cannon. It is DeadHeatGolf.com, home to the Heat Strokes podcast, presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Welcome in, everybody, to episode number 11. I'm Brady Cannon, and we are joined by our special guest host today, Matt Humans of VSIN. He is a professional handicapper and senior editor at VSIN. You can catch his show Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific time with our friend Wes Reynolds. And you can also follow him on Twitter at MattHumans247. He is indeed around the clock. Matt, great to have you back on the program once again. And, uh, you know, I'll start off by saying this June has been unusually cool, maybe by your standards, chilly. Have you been out to play a little golf lately? Yeah, I went out last weekend and I had to wear a winter coat, Brady. I'm very disappointed (laughs) in this, uh, very, very disappointed in this weather. Usually by the middle of June, we're looking at 110. We're at least up into triple digits. Do you realize we have not had a 100 degree day in Las Vegas in about 276 days? That's unheard of. Now, we can talk about global warming all you want, but it's more about climate change and uh, really, the the weather here in Las Vegas, we've seen some radical changes in the past year, year and a half. And, you know, you and I love to play golf when it's um, well up into triple digits. I'm still waiting. I just looked at the forecast for the next 10 days, and I don't see a 100-degree day on there. So, Brady, I'm not in the good right now. Yeah, no, I hear you loud and clear. I was thinking about you looking at that forecast. And I'm surprised you uh, have even played recently. Um, We are going to, of course, uh, talk about the 123rd United States Open Championship on the program today. And we will also be reviewing Coyote Springs Golf Club, a wonderful golf course, just about an exactly an hour drive from the Las Vegas Strip. And of course, Matt, that you and I have played a number of times and are very familiar with. In fact, I think that was the last round of golf we played together. Yeah, we played there, what, Brady, about a month ago. And I think it was in the low 90s, maybe maybe mid-90s that day. It wasn't bad. It wasn't hot enough. But it was uh, well worth the trip up there. Coyote Springs from uh, my house, right basically in the middle of the strip, is about almost a one-hour drive. Uh, you know, it might be 50 minutes, whatever, if you make a really good time up there. But it's worth it. It's worth the trip up there. I kind of compare Coyote Springs to, like, uh, Prim Valley, which is south on I-15, just past the California state line. It takes me about 50 minutes from my house to get out to Prim Valley. It's about an equidistant drive up to Coyote Springs on the north side of uh, Las Vegas. But both courses have a lot uh, in common, Brady, one being that there were no houses on the course. And uh, I kind of like that. You're out in the middle of the desert. It's, it's quiet. 
It's um, usually the weather is uh, really nice up there, and the course is not too tough, but it is very challenging. And uh, the day we played, uh, we definitely ran into some challenges up there at Coyote Springs. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. It, it is about an exactly an hour drive from the Las Vegas Strip, but a real easy drive and, and well worth the trip. And, and I think the remote location is really one of the attributes of the golf course. It's just vast desert and mountain scenery. And like you say, no homes on the course. For me, you mentioned Prim Valley, one of your favorite courses. It really feels like a combination of Prim Valley and the Paiute Resort. The Paiute was a course uh, or courses, the property, the Paiute Resort, three courses that we reviewed on the podcast last week. Um, I, I would not call Coyote Springs, Matt, a desert course. There are not a lot of trees lining the fairways and you don't have uh, any forced carries really over raw desert for the most part. Uh, both the fairways and the greens have a great deal of undulation. Uh, you're not going to see many flat putts uh, or putts that don't have a lot of break on these greens, and you're not going to find many flat lies in the fairways. The bunkers are really tough too around the greens. They're very deep and they have some rugged edges with thick rough around the collars. Uh, the greens are bent grass. They're not crazy fast, but a real, I think, comfortable speed, and they roll very true. Quite a bit of room off the tee here at Coyote Springs. You can really let the driver go, but that's really when the challenge begins. And, Matt, you know, in uh, typical Jack Nicklaus fashion, this is a Jack Nicklaus signature design. It's a second-shot golf course, isn't it? It is. And uh, I like this course quite a bit. Like I said, I've uh, been up there – five to 10 times somewhere in that range and uh, usually score okay up there. Like, um, you know, when you talked about Paiute, I don't play well up there for some reason. I always play really well at Prim Valley. I, I look like a hack when I get to Paiute and Coyote Springs is somewhere in the middle. Uh, I can play pretty well, not great, but it's a challenging course. I think Brady, the day we were there, that was the first time I picked up a golf club in eight and a half months and uh, just took a couple practice swings on the tee and hit the drive right down the middle, hit a great second shot to about 15 feet away, and uh, par, that uh, first hole to par four, golf is not that easy. It got a lot tougher that day. You know what's interesting about Coyote Springs, too, is that when you go out to a place like Torrey Pines near San Diego, and it's on the ocean, and you got all these ocean views, what's interesting about Torrey Pines is very little water comes into play on any of the holes out there in the north or south course. But Brady, when you're at Coyote Springs, you got water that comes into play on a lot of holes. And I think that's one of the great things about it. Yeah, you're exactly right. There's water on, I believe, 11 holes on the 18 of Coyote Springs. It was built in 2008. And of course, at the end of 2008, that's when the economy crashed. And they had big plans for this place. I believe okay. the original plan was to make this like a second home for the PGA, you know, like they have in Florida. They were going to build six or eight golf courses out here and homes and everything like that. Well, in a little bit of a way, roundabout way, we're kind of lucky because the economy did tank and they never built those homes. They never even built, you know, the big grandiose clubhouse here, here or anything. It's a, it's a little golf shop with a nice little, you know, snack bar and restaurant uh, off to the side there with some very good food, by the way. Um, so for now, Matt, this is really just all about the golf experience and it's certainly a great one. Um, this course is an absolute beast from the tips. 
at almost 7,500 yards with a slope of 149. Now, I will readily admit that uh, that is not where you and I played from about a month ago at Coyote Springs, but I want to see if you have a a favorite hole. I know you've been there a number of times. Is there one or two holes that have stuck out to you? You know, you asked that question before, and I meant to look up uh, the hole that I like the best. I think it's the uh, the one I played the worst last time we were out there. It's a par three where the uh, pond sits over to the right and the green's right on the yeah. fringe of it. You're getting off an elevated tee down into the uh, – a lot of times par threes are going to be uh, the favorite hole for people, um, especially if you're hitting off an elevated tee and there's water that comes into play. Uh, I I can't remember which number that is, Brady. It, it seems like yeah, it was on the I, back. I, it seems like it's on the. Did you think it was on the back? I I was thinking maybe I it was, it was on, the, on the front. I, I okay. I so I, I think it's kind of early on in the back, if I recall. It, it is a great par three. Uh, you are on an elevated tee box, hitting down to that green, and you'll probably remember. I thought I hit a great shot. It's it's a it's a fairly long hole. I want to say it's about 185 yards or so, and we were playing from the whites that day. And I thought I hit a great shot in there. And sure enough, the wind came up and uh, I, I managed to find the water on that. One. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is the degree of difficulty on that hole is higher than you think it is. When you're up there in the tee, you think, all right, I'm just going to put it right down here on the green. You know, you get under the hill, it kind of slopes down a little bit. It looks like it's going to be an easy shot. It doesn't turn out to be an easy shot, at least as easy as it looks from the tee. And uh, actually, it was kind of hard to pick a favorite hole out there because there's I would say 12, 13, 14 holes out there that I really, really like. And that's one of the great things about it. Anytime you go to a golf course and you only find two or three holes you don't like out of 18, then you know that's a really good golf course. And Coyote Springs fits that category for me. There's very few holes out there that I don't like. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I I really like the visual on almost every hole out there at Coyote Springs. But I'll tell you what my favorite one is, and not necessarily the visual, but to play. And that's number 14. It's actually the number two handicap at this golf course. And it's probably the narrowest tee shot. It looks like that's maybe the par three we're talking about there on the graphic. I can't tell for sure. Um, But number 14 is probably the narrowest tee shot that you will face uh, throughout the entire property. It's an uphill par four that stretches all the way to 450 yards from the tips. But from the white tees, it's only about 387. And it doesn't look like there's a ton of room off the tee. So I've actually hit three wood here or there before. But there's actually some room around the corner to the left. And then you're faced with a second shot that is uphill once again to an elevated green. And I just really like the strategy that the hole presents. It makes you think off the tee. You've got to hit a good second shot. And then you got to deal with yet another undulated green and make a putt. It's the number two handicap, but it's not a p- impossible to make par there and you really walk away feeling good about making a four there. I, I think it is one of the holes that makes you think more so than a lot of these other ones. I know you, you bomb it off the tee and you go from there. I think Nicholas has created this hole number 14 on the back side, where it kind of has a little every little bit of everything to test you and make it entertaining. I agree with you. And actually Coyote Springs is a fascinating story just in general. You hinted at it. Uh, but in the big picture, Jack Nicholas designed this course, and this is supposed to be a, a sprawling golf complex out there, and it was going to be a new community to, with a bunch of homes. And uh, the, obviously the economic crash around 2008 scuttled those plans. And here we're sitting, sitting here in 2023, and you still have one golf course 
no homes out there. There's not even a convenience store within about uh, 30 miles, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. But I, in a way, I think it's great. Uh, now, within the next 10 years, I might change. Who knows if uh, you're going to find eventually get housing developments up there around Coyote Springs. But for right now, I like the way it is, and uh, we're lucky to be able to have a place like that to play. I just I, I like to go to Prim Valley. That's my favorite course. But Coyote Springs, very similar course, driving in a different direction. I might have to go back out there, Brady. The day we played, you said that it was uh, about a month ago, the first time I played in eight and a half months. I think I ended up parring four holes that day in a shot of 92, which is not that good. I, it was, I was going downhill. I was losing my concentration on the back nine. And you know what's Also, after you don't play golf for eight and a half months, I don't think I could walk for about two days after that. My back hurt so bad. And that was start, started to affect me on the back nine. I want to go out there and shoot a better score. So when things start to heat up, I think uh, we should head back out to Coyote Springs and give it another shot here later this summer. Sounds like a plan to me. Uh, I wonder if you have a favorite story from uh, one of the many trips you've made to Coyote Springs, maybe a favorite moment or a, or a funny moment that you have from a visit to the property. Uh, not really, but I can remember about five years ago, I drove up there and I forgot to get gas when I left Las Vegas. And uh, <laughs> I walked out, it was one of those days where it was really about 115 degrees. There was nobody up there. I went out to the parking lot and I started to pull out and I looked down at my gas gauge and it was less than zero. And Brady, you know that there's no gas station within, was it 30 miles at least, right? 30 miles, I think, on that highway. So I had to have, uh, I went back and found one of the guys in the, in the cart barn and got a uh, can of gas, put it in my truck. So I had just enough to make it back to that truck stop uh, to get back uh, to town. But that's one thing. That's a pro tip for you. If you drive up there, make sure you get gas. Make sure you get gas before you leave Las Vegas, so you don't have to uh, uh, get some out of the cart barn just to make it back. But that's one of those courses. You know, you're talking about when you're driving north from Vegas. There's some really nice courses. Wolf Creek up in Mesquite is awesome. You and I played up there a couple years ago. Uh, Coyote Springs is another one. So if you're going to drive north from Vegas, try to hit those courses. There's some really good ones kind of on the uh, northeast side of Vegas. Yeah, no, that, that is a good story and a good pro tip for sure. I'll tell you, I have two short stories, good memories uh, from Coyote Springs. The first one was in the summer of 2018, and I went out there with my son. It was just before we shipped him off to college. And it was the last round uh, of golf that he and I got to play together before he went away to school. He'd never been up there before. And you get out in the great outdoors, you know, out in the middle of the nowhere. He loved the course. We played as just a two ball that day as well. So it was nice to spend some time and, and play around a golf together and introduce him to Coyote Springs and the, the beautiful surroundings out there and then then ship him off to college. So that that was one moment that I certainly remember. And then the other one was, was not uh, quite as fun. Uh, it was later that year, uh, or earlier that year, I should say, in January of 2018. Uh, this time I was with my buddies, and they were all in town for the NFL's championship weekend. It was the year that the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. And, and I've been doing this trip with these guys on championship weekend for years, and we usually play around a golf or two. And I was all excited to show them Coyote Springs. We had a van. We all piled into the van with our clubs and whatnot. And we're all fired up to go there. We drive up to Coyote Springs and we did not catch a break with the weather that day. You know what it's like sometimes in January. I mean, I had an underlayer on that was wool 
Over that, I had a cashmere sweater on, and over that, I had a, a, a down vest on. And then on top of all that, I had a wool ski cap on top of my head. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I will admit, I'm not embarrassed to say after nine holes, we quit. It, it was miserable, and, and we could uh. not handle it. We drove back to the casino and got involved in the football weekend again. But uh, we tried. We tried to make the most of it. But uh, it, a note to the audience here, Matt, and I'm sure you've probably dealt with this before. It is not 100 degrees every day in Las Vegas, folks. No, it's not. But there's a reason we don't call this, or you don't call this, the ice cold podcast. I don't like uh, going out. I don't go out, like going out and playing golf when it's cold. I played a high school golf meets in the Midwest, sometimes in snow, Brady. And uh, I have no, no interest in doing that again. No interest in uh, revisiting those days, playing golf in the cold wind and snow. No thanks. Uh, I did I did remember one thing while you were talking there. I went up and played Coyote Springs about two years ago on one of those hot as hell days when nobody I knew wanted to play. So I just drove up there by myself and I played. And uh, I was um, I remember I remember the hole. I don't remember which one it was, but I remember where I was on the course. And I was on the green and I was about to putt. And I heard some rustling uh, behind me. So I stopped before I hit the putt, and I turned around, Brady, and there was a coyote actually standing about 10 feet behind me. And uh, he, you know, coyote's not going to bother you. He was just standing there watching. He wanted to see if I hit the putt. And then I hit the putt and missed it, two-putted, and I walked off the green, and coyote was just doing his thing. <laughs> it's, uh, there are There is wildlife out there in the course. Um, we've encountered that, I think. Brady, we were playing in Laughlin, I think at uh, Laughlin Ranch Golf Club, and there was a bunch of wildlife on the course that day. That was a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was on our way back from uh, TPC Scottsdale, and uh, you got me to stop in Laughlin, and, and I was thankful that we did. We saw a burrow, a, a donkey, that day out on the course. And I think we saw some coyotes that day. That Now, that one you saw, that may have been Mr. Coyote Springs himself. That, that was the course mascot. That was Wiley Coyote. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Coyote Springs is definitely a high-end golf course, and it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. I mentioned it doesn't have the grandiose clubhouse or anything like that yet, but it is absolutely a world-class golf course. And I tell you what, the, the pricing that they charge is really amazing. Green fees this time of year will run you from about $65 to $100 per player, and then in peak season, from about 140 to 175. And, and Matt, I mean, you get a golf course, a Jack Nicklaus signature design, a course of this quality for that type of price, less than 150 bucks. That is a really good deal. It is a good deal. And that's what another great benefit to playing uh, summer golf when it's hot is that you can play a lot of these really nice courses around Vegas and play them for cheap. And another benefit is there's not going to be many other people out there in the course. So you don't have to worry about slow play. You don't have to worry about a group like Patrick Cantlay and Jordan Spieth slowing you down on a day. You can get out there and play for cheap and uh, pretty much play your own pace and not have to worry about groups being in front of you or behind you. That's a big benefit to playing in the summer when it's triple digits. No, no doubt about it. One of the reasons for sure that you and I like to play in the summer, less crowds and less dollars. You can find uh, Coyote Springs online at coyotesprings.com. You can also find them on our website at deadheatgolf.com as one of our featured courses. You can also give them a call at 725 
210-5400 and tell them the fellas from the Heat Strokes podcast sent you. We will take a quick break and be back with our picks for the United States Open Championship at Los Angeles Country Club. But before we do, a quick word from our terrific sponsors, Play Studios, Bescent Realty Group, Las Vegas Advisor, and FootballContest.com. Don't forget to use the promo code HEAT at checkout at FootballContest.com to save $50. Football contest signups are going on here in Las Vegas as we speak and throughout the summer. So a good time to get on board with footballcontest.com. We will be back with more of the Heat Strokes podcast presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas in just a moment. When the Heat Strokes crew isn't burning up the hottest golf courses in the country, playing a game we'd all spend a lifetime trying to master, they're doing something just as smoking, but a whole lot easier. They're playing My Vegas Slots. It's a top-ranked, free-to-play mobile app that lets you earn valuable real-world rewards from some amazing partners like MGM Grand, Bellagio, and Norwegian Cruise Line. You can score rooms, great meals, show tickets, and more just for playing. Download My Vegas Slots today from your favorite app store. And if you're anything like Brady and Matt, we know you're going to love it. And that's something you can bet on. Have you ever wanted to play in one of the biggest football contests in Las Vegas and win a million dollars or more? At footballcontest.com, find out how to sign up and make your picks through Nevada's most experienced proxy service. You do the handicapping, we do the legwork. And our service is a convenience for both locals and non-residents alike. Over the past decade, thousands have trusted footballcontest.com as their proxy service and have collected winnings of over $10 million. Whether you're a fan of five picks against the spread or survivor pools, footballcontest.com has all the information you need to get started. You pick the winners, we submit your picks. It's that easy at footballcontest.com. Attention all real estate buyers, sellers, and investors. Are you looking for a trustworthy and experienced team to help you navigate the Las Vegas, Southern Nevada market? Look no further than Bescent Realty Group, specializing in residential, commercial, and investment properties. With over nine years of experience in the industry, we have the knowledge and skills to help you find the perfect property or investment opportunity. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're committed to providing exceptional service and delivering results. Contact us today to take the first step towards achieving your real estate goals in Las Vegas and Southern Nevada. Call now, 702-339-8052, or go to BescentRealty.com. Want to gamble like the pros? At LasVegasAdvisor.com, you'll find the world's best how-to books, software, and strategy cards featuring blackjack, poker, video poker, tournament play, and of course, sports betting, including 2020 sports betting. Think like a pro, which contains an 85-page section on betting golf. And don't forget to check out LVA's famous member rewards coupon book, offering discounts on dining and entertainment, including a buy one, get one for the awesome lobster buffet at the Palms and more than $400 in gambling free play match play and bonus offers up your gambling game today at lasvegasadvisor.com that's lasvegasadvisor.com Mandalay Bay comes alive as the fan district the go-to destination for all of fankind gather here stay here eat here and celebrate here fans get exclusive food and drink specials and one-of-a-kind experiences loaded with giveaways photo ops surprise appearances and more and the best part it's all within walking distance of the stadium get the party started or keep the party going at the fan district 
Welcome back to the Heat Strokes podcast presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Brady Cannon and Matt Humans with you. And it is time to get to the third major of the season, the 123rd United States Open Championship. It'll take place at the super exclusive Los Angeles Country Club right in Beverly Hills, California. And Matt, this is a property that has never hosted a men's U.S. Open before. The last PGA Tour event it hosted was in 1940, the LA Open, and the members like it that way. They don't want the publicity. I don't know how the USGA convinced them to hold the major championship here, but here we are, and I I really think uh, this course is going to be the star of the show. We had to do a ton of research just to find out anything about this course, but I think we're in store for one of the more entertaining U.S. Opens of our lifetime. Yeah, let's hope the uh, course plays as tough as we think it is this week. Now, the rough is really deep, and there's a lot of mystery to this course, Brady. I've, I've done a lot of reading on it. I watched uh, on the LA Times website, I watched a, a drone video of uh, all the holes on this course. It's, a, like you said, an exclusive country club, and a lot of the players have never stepped foot on this uh, course until this week. I know a lot of the golf media uh, even guys who live in L.A. have never uh, been out to L.A. Country Club before this week. So it's going to be a new experience, and I uh, love seeing new courses like this. In fact, I wanted to make a trip over there this weekend and walk the course and maybe uh, see the third or fourth round Saturday or Sunday, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to make it over there. But still, it's going to be, I think, a great viewing experience this week. And I love it when the players struggle on the toughest setups. And uh, I think that's what we're going to have here at L.A. Country Club. Brady, we're gonna, it's going to be very challenging on the players. You've got a lot of visually attractive holes and I think some elevation changes. And uh, it's going to be a really cool uh, tournament this week. So I'm looking forward to it like you are. Well, the course can stretch out to over 7,400 yards. It is a par 70, but I, there are a lot of different tee boxes that you can utilize here. So I think you're going to see a lot of variance in the yardage from day to day. Uh, The fairways are Bermuda grass, and they are relatively wide, very wide by U.S. Open standards. A lot of them have slopes and canted in one direction or the other, and a lot of these balls will kind of run off one side of the fairway, possibly into the barranca, into the rough, you name it. Uh, There's going to be a lot of nuance with a lot of these golf shots. This is not your standard U.S. Open, Matt, where you have needle-thin fairways and you just hit it straight. You hit your approach shot on the green you two-putt, and you go on to the next hole. Um, With the wide fairways, the elevation change that you mentioned, uh, the valleys, the barranca, the rugged sand bunkers, the fast and firm conditions, you know, I think there is not really one course that is a great match for Los Angeles Country Club, but I think there's a lot of courses that have similar characteristics, and I think one is Augusta National big, wide golf course with a lot of elevation change, rugged around the greens. You've got to have an incredible touch around the greens. I think Chambers Bay, where they played the 2015 U.S. Open, you know, that was kind of a quirky setup with all kinds of elevation change and big, wide fairways. Marion in 2013 with its Parkland style and rugged bunkering. Shinnecock with the kind of Lynx-like style. Kapalua, you and I have played there and reviewed it on this very podcast before. The plantation course with huge wide fairways and a lot of elevation change. I think the players are going to find a little bit of all of that in one 18-hole layout. Yeah, that that makes it a a complex um, handicapping 
challenge too, because there's so many different courses that you could compare to this. I kind of, Brady stuck to Augusta when I was uh, drawing a course correlation between the players and how they might perform here. Uh, you draw a lot of different courses into it. I think you're, uh, you start to overthink things and make it a little bit more difficult than it is. Now, at least that's the way I look at it. You, you might look at it differently, but I, I kind of focused on Augusta as the main course correlation. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you at all, and, and you're right. Sometimes less is more, and sometimes you can just inundate yourself with data and start to question your own decisions. Uh, hopefully, I've made a few of the right ones this week. Um, the uh, strokes or the um, skill sets that I looked at this week were strokes gained approach. I think iron play, like it always is, I think it's going to be especially huge here this week. Strokes gained around the green. I, I think the short game is going to be incredibly magnified this week. Uh, hole proximity from 175 to 250 yards. It is a long course, and I believe you know well over half your approach shots are going to come from that window, 175 to 250 yards. You've got par threes on here that are 280 yards or better. Now, these play very much downhill, and you can hop your ball up onto the green and whatnot, but just on the scorecard, pretty intimidating to see some par threes of that length. Par four scoring from 450 to 500 yards I looked at. I also looked at stroke gain putting on bent grass and then bogey avoidance, Matt. I, I wonder, you mentioned you looked at Augusta National as a correlated course. How did you really dive into the stats and break this course down without us knowing too much about it? <laughs> That's, I, I looked at uh, players who performed the best consistently at Augusta, and I also strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained around the green. I think you're playing around the green this week is going to determine how well you fare in this tournament. And you got to be good with your uh, short game, or I don't think you're going to survive at L.A. Country Club this week. You also have to be accurate off the tee, Brady. So I kind of focused on uh, strokes gained off the tee, driving accuracy, and strokes gained around the green, and uh, just mainly looked at uh, those three areas. And a couple of the players uh, – I've got for the futures and matchups fit those categories really well this week. So hopefully it turns out for the best. All right. Well, we will get to those in just a minute, but let's first get to our guest picks. And because it is a major championship, we bring in two contributors for the guest picks section. And we start off with Dave Tyndall, the great golf handicapper and writer from the UK. You can find his work at Betfair and you can also follow him on Twitter at Dave Tyndall golf. Now, Matt, you know this. Dave famously produces a 10-year trends article for every major, and it's really worth checking out each and every time. So far this year for the Masters, his trends piece produced Jordan Spieth, who finished fourth, and then he produced Scotty Scheffler for the PGA, who ended up runner-up. Now, for the U.S. Open, at the top of the list, his winner via the trends piece is Patrick Cantley, topping the list, and that is followed closely by Scotty Scheffler. Then you have a tie between Victor Hovland and Matt Fitzpatrick, and then on down to John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, another tie between Brooks Kepka and Cameron Smith, and then Colin Morikawa bringing up the rear. I know you looked at Dave's article, Matt, and, and I encourage people to take a look at it. It's really well done. And don't just scroll down all the way to the bottom to see what the picks are. I think it's very interesting to see the method to his madness, Matt, and the way he gets, you know, the way he puts these trends together to get to the bottom line answer, I don't think it's something you can just toss aside. I think it's all relevant information. 
I did read uh, Dave's entire column and usually do. And uh, yeah, he's got a lot of relevant categories there. I, th I was interested when I did get to the bottom to see who survived, I guess, uh, that meat grinder he set up there with uh, 10 different categories. I was surprised, actually, that Patrick Cantlay was his uh, top guy. But I was happy about it, uh, Brady, because that's also my top guy this week. So uh, when I got to the bottom, I right, hey, all right, Dave Tyndall's uh, formula here spits out Patrick Cantlay. I like it. No surprise that Scotty Scheffler is high on his list or Victor Hovland, who's in great form. Uh, so, yeah, th I don't think many of the names on the list are going to surprise you much, but uh, I like Dave's formula here, and I think it's all relevant information, and hopefully the guy he spit out on top is a winner this week. I think uh, I'll be happy if uh, that, that comes to fruition. You know, I've been in the exact same boat as you before. You know, I, I have all my picks, and then I go to Dave's column, and I see who his number one is, and I'm on the same guy. It's a nice reassurance there for sure. Um, outside of his trends piece, Dave does have a couple of other plays this week. Uh, for the outright winner, he is also on Victor Hovland at 16-1, to 1, Justin Rose at 35-1, to 1, Bryson DeChambeau at 40-1, to 1, and Denny McCarthy, who just lost in a playoff to Victor Hovland at the Memorial at 100 to 1. For a top 20 finish, he's got Sepp Straka, performed very well at the PGA Championship last month, and a nice number at plus 650. And then also, Dave gave us a, fir a few first round leader plays you can get after these and uh, have an immediate result before the uh, tournament even finishes. Who will lead after round one on Thursday? He's got Xander Shoffley at 33 to 1, Ricky Fowler at 55 to 1 and Hayden Buckley who's uh, been very good at first round scoring on tour this year at 150 to 1 uh, outside of his trends piece Matt anything catch your eye there with Dave's picks Yeah a couple things uh, why is he not betting Patrick Cantlay to win he's not playing Cantlay to win No I think he is I, I I think he definitely has Cantlay to win he just gave me some additional outrights Okay Well also Justin Rose Fit a lot of things I looked at, and uh, this way you have to shop around for the best number. I I bet Justin Rose at circa this morning at fifty eight to one. I think on Dave's graphic there he's got thirty five to one. Uh, so yeah, Brady, if you like Justin Rose or anybody out there is watching to this, watching this or listening to this, check out the circa odds before you fire because I found a better number on every player I like at the circa sportsbook. And Justin Rose, I found 58 to 1 this morning. So I'm on the same page with Dave there, too. Yeah, I, I am as well. And I tell you what, Justin Rose, of course, being an Englishman, maybe Dave being in the UK, may, maybe that number gets beaten up a lot more on his side of the globe. But uh, you're absolutely right. I've seen Justin Rose, the lowest I've seen is 40 to 1. And I've seen 50, and like you say, 58. Um, so a, a good advice there as far as shopping around. But Dave may be stuck on that side of the pond. Um, for our second guest, we are gonna call upon a mutual friend who is uh, kind of a Heat Strokes podcast guest in more ways than one. He's played a lot of golf with us in the dead heat of summer. And that is the Hall of Fame bookmaker, Nick Bogdanovich, now with Circus Sports. The US Open has always been Nick's favorite major. So I always like to bring him in uh, for his thoughts for this championship. He's got just two outright winners. And you know, Matty always likes to go with the big underdogs. Kind of a mid-range price there with Terrell Hatton, but he is on the Englishman. Terrell Hatton having a phenomenal year at 40-1. to 1. And then his big bomb, he's on Wyndham Clark, the winner 
of the Wells Fargo Championship at 100 to 1. And then he's got four head to head matchups, full tournament head to head matchups. He's on Tyrrell Hatton at minus 140 over Max Homa, Tony Finau at minus 135 over Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama at minus 110 over Cameron Young, and then Patrick Rogers at minus 110 over Andrew Putnam. What about Nick's picks there, Matt? Anything catch your eye there? Yeah, I'm not surprised he comes in on Terrell Hatton because I like Hatton too. He's in good form. He's playing really well uh, recently, and he, he should fit this golf course. Hatton's not one of my guys, but I can't argue against him. And uh, I, I think that that's probably going to be that's, – that's a play that probably going to put Nick in a pretty good position this weekend. Uh, you know, we mentioned Cameron Young there. That's a guy that I played a lot in the last year and a half and finished second with him about five times and third a couple times. It's been very frustrating. Cameron Young seems to be lost right now. So I can't argue against playing against him in a matchup. And Nick played Hideki over Cameron Young, whose odds are back up around 50 to 1. Don't forget, he finished second in the British Open last year. I had Cameron Young at 120 to 1. But right now, poor form. It looks like he should fit this course well, but I just don't like the way he's playing. And Tony Finau, another one of Nick's uh, matchup picks there. Wes, talked about, or uh, Ray, he talked about the other luck of the draw. Tony Finau is in a group, his uh, tea time group on Thursday and Friday. Patrick Cantlay and Jordan Spieth, two of the slowest players in the world. Uh, so I hope Tony Finau is not Tony's such a nice back. guy, he won't even care. You know how Tony is. Okay. I would care. I don't like to play with people who are that slow. So It's kind of funny. A lot of times the USGA has fun with these pairings. It's a little surprising they didn't pair Brooks Kepka with Patrick Cantlay. That would be something. <laughs> but, uh, they, they have a, a gnarly sense of humor that way. I'm with you on Cameron Young. Boy, he's really fallen off the map. I went against him in some matchups last week in Canada and those were winners. I didn't really want to go against him here with Hideki because I'm, I'm not positive. I don't have a good feel for how Hideki's going to do this week, but, but Cameron Young, a fade for me for sure. Uh, Matt, it is time to get to your picks. I know you've got a pretty healthy card here. Take it away, my friend. Okay, Patrick Cantlay at a 16 to one. I actually bet him like plus 16.50, but Cantlay played this course. Brady, and then we, we don't have much course history to go by here, but we do have the 2013 Pac-12 championships. And Cantley played well. Max Homa stole the show that week as uh, the Cal Bear, Patrick Cantley, a player at US, UCLA. And Homa set the course record that week with a 9-under uh, 61 when he was a Cal senior. But Patrick Cantley was right there in contention. And I think there's maybe a narrative out there sometimes that Cantley does not play well in majors. I'm going to dispel that. The last four majors, Cantley has top 15 finishes in each of them and two top 10s. I think he's knocking on the door to win a major. This course is a good fit for him. He's got some experience out here at LACC, unlike a lot of other guys. I think the uh, when you look at strokes gained around the green, putting, Cantley fits the bill. And I was hoping to get 20 to 1 or higher, but that just wasn't going to happen this week. So I had to grab basically 16 or 17 to 1 here on uh, Cantlay, who is uh, my, my pick, along with Dave Tindall, uh, to win this thing. 
because he's played – I think he's got a lot of confidence that he's played much better in his uh, four recent majors. So let's go with Cantlay. Also going to go with Max Homa, who I just talked about shooting that 61 at L.A. Country Club when he was a Pac-12 uh, tournament champion, individual winner. He was even par over the final two days of that tournament. But Homa has been kind of quiet recently, and I like that because there's not there, there was a lot of buzz, and I thought this pick was going to be way too popular for the U.S. Open, that everybody was going to be on Max Homa. And I bet him at 25-1 to 1 a couple months ago. I bet him again at 30-1. to 1 a few days ago, and, and this morning, I bet him again at 33-1. to 1. Now, not big bets, but it all adds up to something pretty good here on Homa. You're talking about play around the green, driving accuracy, putting. I don't see why Max Homa can't win this week. Now, his performance in majors has not been very good at all. That's the one guy who probably needs to knock on the door of winning a major before he actually wins it, but I'm hoping he can just knock the door down this week at LACC and win it. So, Max Homa with his uh, course, strong course history here and the fact that uh, he's going to be in the L.A. spotlight. I like him. Jordan Spieth, 27-1. to Brady, if you look at Spieth's driving stats, two of his most recent performances are two of his best. I really think Jordan Spieth is starting to find some, figure some things out with his driver, his driving accuracy. And when you're talking about strokes gained around the green, nobody's more creative around the greens than Jordan Spieth. And I think uh, that's going to be a big benefit to him this week. I think the winner is going to be somebody who is really a master around the greens and on the greens. And hopefully that's Spieth this week at 27 to one. And again, we're talking about an Augusta course correlation. Spieth is one of the guys who plays the best at Augusta. So let's go 27 to one on Spieth. And then the, uh, the other guy I threw in there, he never plays well when I bet him, but Colin Morikawa, and he's got, I had him two weeks ago, and he was two strokes off the lead near the top of the leaderboard on Sunday, and he comes up with back spasms on the driving range, and he withdraws. But I thought his play in that tournament overall was a positive. And when he was at Cal, he played in the Walker Cup at LACC, and he went 4-0 in his matches, and that was in 2017. So again, this course is a mystery to a lot of these players, but it's not a complete mystery to Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, and Colin Morikawa, three of the guys on my list here. So I'm looking at futures. Those are the main guys I played. I took smaller shots, Brady, this morning after I sent you those plays. I found some numbers at circuit I could not resist on the futures board. I don't want to play a lot of long shots because I do believe an elite player is going to win this week. It's a tough course, and it's going to be challenging for these guys over the course of four days, and I think you're going to weed out the weaker players, and you're going to have an elite guy who's more or less an elite player who's going to win this week. So I don't want to play a bunch of long shots, spray a bunch of money on the futures board. But I played, made some smaller bets this morning on Justin Rose at 58-1, to Joaquin Neiman at 135-1, to and Sahith Dagala. Ah, and uh, okay. I recall that because I played him on a top 20. But for those who don't know, Sahith Tagala, I followed him around a little bit at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines this year. I wanted to watch his game. I was very impressed by his short game and his play around the greens, too. And I added Tagala because the 120 to 1 number is attractive, but also Brady, he's another guy who knows a little bit about LACC. He played at Pepperdine. So yeah. that's a. Uh, a shot I took there. Also, top 20 finishes. I played Ricky Fowler. I don't want to bet Fowler to win, but I feel like he's going to be in the mix. So, Fowler of plus 165, 
That's a DraftKings. And Sahith Tagala, top 20 at plus 280, that's also a DraftKings. And in terms of matchups, I have not played a lot so far, but I did play Jordan Spieth, minus 135 over Justin Thomas. JT just seems to be lost right now. His odds uh, floated up into that 50-1 to neighborhood, which is unheard of for JT. But, again, Spieth is one of my guys this week, and I think that's a fair price over um, over JT, who really, since he won the PGA a year ago, has not played very good golf. So Spieth over JT. And I did play two top tens. I like John Rahm a lot this week. And at DraftKings, you can play Rahm to finish top 10 at plus 105. And I also bet Scotty Scheffler top 10 at minus 140. I don't want to bet these guys that they're really low odds to win the tournament. You're talking about 7-1 to one on Scheffler and about 10 or 12-1 to one on John Rombo. So I don't want to play him that way. But I do think these guys are going to be right there in the hunt. And how can you not? And Scotty Scheffler's 2023 20, starts, his worst finish is a tie for 12th. And uh, you, you talk about a guy who's gaining strokes from tee to green. Scotty Scheffler is ball striking, has been off the charts. Unfortunately, he's been a little bit lost. He's had a lot of problems with the putter. So that's why I would not bet on Scheffler that, and there's no odds value at 7-1. to I wouldn't bet on Scheffler, but I, I like him to finish top 10. So that's what I've got for now, Brady. I, it's a good-looking card, Matt. You know, I, I can't really disagree with much of it at all. Uh, I'm a fan of Jordan Spieth this week. I'm a fan of Scotty Scheffler this week. I like the way you've kind of broken it up there and played them to finish top 10 rather than win it all. I'm a fan of Ricky Fowler. I think the top 20 makes a ton of sense and absolutely fade Justin Thomas. I, you know, I took a shot with him at the Memorial when his odds got all the way to about 35. And it reminded me when you and Wes Reynolds bet on him to win the Players' Championship and his odds got all the way to 30 when he was in a mini slump. And he went on and won. And Memorial is a tournament where he's had a lot of success. And I said, geez, JT at 35. Of course, he disappointed once again, and now he's all the way to 50. So, uh, yeah, he, he remains on my fade list. Um, but uh, as far as all of my plays, um, I am with you uh, on one of them here. I've got an outright win and a top 10 finish on Scotty Scheffler. I went ahead and did go right to the top of the board and take the plus 750. And, and you alluded to it. His ball striking, his tee to green game, Matt, is truly Tiger-esque. He, he is on a Tiger Woods type level right now. I mean, he lost eight and a half strokes putting to the field at the Memorial and finished one shot out of a playoff. He lost yep. four and a half strokes to the field at the PGA Championship and finished runner-up. If this guy just putts average, he's going to win this by four or five shots. So I had to take a crack with Scheffler. Outright win and top 20 finish. I landed on Jordan Spieth. You got a little better number than me. I got 26 to 1. And you talked about it. Driving accuracy has always been his Achilles heel, but he's driving the ball better than ever. He was second in the field in driving accuracy at the Memorial when he ended with a top five finish there a couple weeks ago. Uh, Matt, you talked about it as well, and I'm in full agreement that a lot of this championship is going to come down to a magical short game and how well you can do around the greens. And my next guy, Cam Smith, 32 to 1 is absolutely one of the best in the world, a lot like Jordan Spieth. Both these guys have had tremendous success at Augusta National. They've had success at Chambers Bay, and we know about their short games. So I went the live route with Cam Smith there. Also, obviously, your British Open champion at St. Andrews, where you know you have that link style here at Los Angeles Country Club in firm and fast conditions. I think that will help Cameron Smith as well. 
I'm with you on Justin Rose. I actually got 75 to one. I bet this about three or four weeks ago. That number, as we've talked about, has come down quite a bit. This guy is in such good form, Matt. He, he led the field at the Canadian Open last week in strokes gained approach. He's ninth in this field over the last 36 rounds for putting on bent grass. He's accurate off the tee. He won at Pebble, finished sixth at the Players, just having a remarkable year. Of course, he won the U.S. Open at Marion. I mentioned that course has some similarities. Uh, Justin Rose, it, is, it would be shocking to see him not at least be in that top 10 neighborhood and contending on Sunday. Uh, Ricky Fowler, I, I like your top 20 bet. I went one further and bet him to win as well uh, at 80 to 1. I've seen that number as low as 60 to 1, and I'm okay with that as well. Like Justin Rose, he is also doing everything well, ball striking, total driving, putting, short game. Uh, and, and a couple of courses that I like to look at every year, the Charles Schwab Challenge, Colonial Country Club, and the Memorial. I think the results in those two tournaments can be very indicative of U.S. Open success. Roar, uh, Ricky Fowler just finished sixth at Colonial and ninth at the Memorial. And then finally, I saved the best for last, your favorite, Patrick Reed, at 110 to 1. I thought that number was pretty crazy. I, I've seen as low as 70 to 1, but you know, creativity and a tremendous short game. That's what we're talking about. And that's exactly what the strength of Patrick Reed's game is. He was 18th last month at the PGA, 14th at Chambers Bay, 4th at Shinnecock in 2018, 4th at the Masters in April. Of course, he's won at Kapalua. He's won at Augusta. And I talked about Colonial and the Memorial. In his career between the two courses, he has a combined five top 10 finishes at those two courses. So that's my outright card there. I mentioned I played Scotty for a top 10, played the rest of them for a top 20. And then full tournament head-to-head -head matchups, I've got uh, going against one of your guys, pitting two of your guys against each other. Jordan Spieth at minus 125 over Colin Morikawa. Matt Fitzpatrick at minus 140 over Max Homa. Tony Finau at minus 135 over Justin Thomas. Ricky Fowler at minus 120 over Sunjay M. And Patrick Reed minus one, uh, 105 over Bryson DeChambeau. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're on the same page in a lot of different areas here, Matt, but I did go up against a couple of your guys head-to-head. Well, we're not going to be on the same plays all the time. I will say that uh, that's an insanely high number on Fat Pat Reed. But Brady, <laughs> I hope he, I hope he takes a wrong turn on the way to the course. He ends up in Compton and never makes it there. So, yeah, then then I'm you're happy and I get my money back, and no harm, no not, foul. That's right. I'm not going to say good luck with that one. Yeah, I, I did that. Think that number was pretty crazy. Well, Matt, uh, our, our favorite time of the show uh, because it involves our friends at Dom DeMarco's. It's the Pizza Money Play of the Week presented by Dom DeMarco's Pizzeria and Bar in the Summerlin area here in Las Vegas. One of Matt's and my favorites. Great pizza. I suggest going there early and often over to Dom DeMarco's. And you and I landed on the same Pizza Money Play this week. You know, we lost our Pizza Money Play last week by one shot. Uh, I had 18 under par or better would win the Canadian Open. It landed on 17. I'm going the other direction this week. 72-hole winning score for the U.S. Open. The under over is 271 and a half. I'm going over. So what that means is something less than nine under par will win this championship. I think your winner comes from somewhere between five and eight under par, eight being the max. I don't think they get to nine. Matt, I think you're going to get some scores posted on Thursday and Friday. 
But as this golf course gets firmer and faster and drier, by the time we get to the weekend, it is going to be a beast trying to get your ball up and down around these greens that be, uh, could become very crispy by that point. There's not a whole lot of wind in the forecast either here, but do you really think the USGA wants their champion to land in double digits? I, I don't think so. I, I think this golf course is going to be very difficult. I think it'll be extremely exciting. I think we're going to get some birdies, but we're also gonna get some doubles and triple bogeys. I think that winner's around seven under or something like that. I don't think they get all the way to nine. Before the uh, Monday show at VSIN, Wes Reynolds and I talked about this. I said, I think the winner is going to be five under right around there. Wes said, I don't think it's going to be that low. I think three or four under. So wow. this is my piece to play of the week, too. I, you know, I, could, I said I could see five under. I could see six, seven under, maybe eight under. But nine under is what loses this bet for us. So let's hope the winner comes in somewhere between that five under to eight under range, and I think so. Now, Brady, I do expect to see some low scores here on Thursday and Friday, uh, at least from a few players. So you can't panic early and say, oh, man, they're going to blow this away. This course is not as tough as everybody said it was. I think it's going to get tougher on the weekend. I think it's going to be similar to what we saw at the Memorial. If you remember the Memorial, the first day the guy goes out for a first-round lead and shoots five under, the next day the lead was at eight under, the next day, the lead was at six under or whatever. Victor Hovland ends up winning at seven under. I mean, it, it came back as that golf course got firmer and faster and, and Jack just dried the place out. Uh, the scores continued to go higher. And I think that's probably what you're going to see here at LACC. Yeah, I expect it to be firm and fast on the weekend. And uh, those, I think the guys will back up a little bit. So you can't get too concerned if you see a couple low scores on Thursday or Friday. Hopefully this course is as tough as we think it's going to be. And typically in a U.S. Open, that's what happens. So I was surprised to see this prop at 271 and a half. I really thought uh, that that was kind of a bad number. We'll find out, Brady, if we're right or we're wrong. And that's our pizza money play of the week. I also, I like that playoff in Canada so much last week. I, I love golf playoffs. That Nick Taylor win in Canada that Jim Nance called one of the greatest moments in Canadian sports history with him hitting, by the way, a 72-foot eagle putt to beat Tommy Fleetwood in the playoff. I'll give you a bonus pizza money play. Let's bet on a playoff this week. The yes is plus 350, right? So you like a big plus price on a pizza money play. Let's go for a playoff of plus 352. I saw that one and uh, took a gander myself. Thought I might uh, land on that one, but I'm glad you did. I'd love to see a playoff. As far as the scoring, you know, I, I do believe this golf course will be as hard as it's been advertised, but I think there's going to be more volatility in the scores. I, I think you're going to get some guys that shoot 66, you know, stuff like that, maybe even a 65, but I also think you're going to get guys that shoot 80. I think the, the gap between the scoring, I think, is going to be pretty wide, much more so than we saw last month at the PGA. Yep, and uh, I'll just talk about pizza, Brady. I'm very hungry. I want to get out here and eat lunch, so let's wrap it up. That is going to do it for this edition of the Heat Strokes podcast presented by the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino here in Las Vegas. In case you missed something, you want to go back and check the information and the picks. It'll be up shortly on our website at deadheatgolf.com or wherever you get your podcast. Later this evening, it'll be up on YouTube, the video version. You can check that out at my uh, YouTube channel at Heat Strokes Podcast. Um, please give us all the likes, the reviews, all the love on the social platforms. We appreciate that. Want to thank our crew, Tom Catlin on video, Jeremiah Crow with Green Roll Media on audio, and Trifco 
on the creative design. Want to thank our guest host, Matt Humans of VSIN. Check him out Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 p.m., live from the Circus Studios with our friend Wes Reynolds. Thank you to our very special guest contributors, Nick Bogdanovich and Dave Tyndall. We will be back at this time next week to review another golf course and also preview the Travelers Championship, which, by the way, this year on tour is an elevated event. Enjoy the U.S. Open, everybody. I encourage you strongly to go visit Coyote Springs. Let's cash some tickets this week. Matt, please remind everybody to stay hot. You've been dialed into the Heat Strokes Podcast with Brady Cannon, presented by Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, and produced in conjunction with Green Roll Media, the world's premier sports betting podcast network. Subscribing to the show on YouTube is easy. Just search Heat Strokes Podcast. Follow us on social media at Las Vegas Golfer and at Heat Strokes Pod. If you like what you heard, please follow, like, and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify today. Good luck out there sinking birdies at Cash and Tickets. Cash and Tickets. We'll see you next week.